I would like to talk about marijuana, weed, pot, reefer, <laughs> grass, ganja, mun, herb, cannabis. And I'm not going to take the usual debate route. When you hear people talk about cannabis, arguing either for or against it, typically it's the usual arguments, right? The debate falls into two areas. It's either it's health and medicine for one area, and then there's the recreational use argument. I've even heard a spiritual argument. I mean, in a positive sense, people think that they're, they're becoming enlightened when they smoke pot, right? They're becoming spiritually connected with whatever. The way I'm going to talk about cannabis today is quite different, and I know it'll be a little bit refreshing, too. I'm going to speak not to your brain, but to your heart. I want to appeal to your spirit, to your psyche, to your intuitiveness, your mind, not your brain. I will talk about what I'm qualified to talk about. The effect of cannabis, specifically the drug that's delivered in the cannabis, and its effect on humans where it ultimately matters, in the spirit. That's my bag. I'm going to talk about the metaphysical effects of using marijuana to alter the mood. However you like to term it, you can call it to relax, to unwind, to cope, to relieve pain. <laughs> you can go on YouTube and you can find all the, all the pro-pot arguments, medical use cannabis, how, uh, how people who were previously incapacitated by pain have gotten their lives back, how people with seizures suddenly don't have them anymore. Their lives have become manageable now. It's, it's good. It sounds really good. It looks good. Help for autistic children. Who can possibly not want that? And then at the very far end of the positive spectrum, some people claim that pot is a treatment for cancer. And also it, it removes nausea for chemo patients. But so do a lot of other drugs. But okay. This is not about whether or not cannabis, THC, has some benefits to the human body. Let's call them legitimate medical and health benefits. Let's assume that those exist. Obviously, pain management through chemistry has practical uses, right? Listen, there are legitimate surgical and therapeutic uses for morphine and opioids. Everyone hates opioids, but it's got good use. Even cocaine. Cocaine can be effectively used to treat injuries in children. I read an article a couple of weeks ago about how they use it in eye surgery because it constricts the, uh, the blood vessels and the capillaries and reduces bleeding. I mean, there are good things that could be done with that. With the recreational cannabis, there's the traditional comparisons to booze, to alcohol, right? And that's really it. That's all they've got for the, for the recreational cannabis, comparing it to drinking. It's better for you and for society than drinking. They'll even go so far as to say that smoking pot harms no one. How it's a peaceful drug. <laughs> how alcohol causes violence and pot calms everybody down. Look, each side has their evidence, and it goes back and forth. It becomes a debate, I know. Very argumentative, even if it is interesting. These issues really do deserve to be addressed, but that's not what I'm going to do right now. Does it treat cancer? Does it not treat cancer? Is pot addictive, non-addictive? Does smoking weed cause cancer, or does it treat cancer? High use, low use, I'm, I'm not going to go into the weeds on that. Pardon the expression. These are very 
interesting topics. They are very useful to discuss, I think. But they're also circuitous, and they rely on studies and research coming from very heavily contaminated sources. Sources with agendas, liberal agendas, political, for the time being, okay? Just forget about Schedule 1 and taking it off Schedule 1 and which states have legalized it. And I don't care how many marijuana dealers are serving prison sentences for trafficking. First-hand smoke, second-hand smoke. I don't want to talk about nicotine versus pot. Not right now. Just please know this that virtually all of the research references out there, it's completely conflictive, and it's inconclusive. What you're being given, you know, when you read these, is usually just citations of studies used by someone who's got a position. They have a bias, and they use completely unfounded data to buttress their single point, so beware. There's a lot of fake news out there. One thing for sure is that the footing of the pro-weed and the anti-weed people, very shaky. They cite inaccurate studies, inadequate evidence, and really cannot effectively make a case either way for all the confusion. It's really too bad. All right, so let's, let's get to what really is significant about cannabis. I'm just going to leave those other assessments aside right now. Leave it to the researchers and the doctors and the Googling pot smokers who have suddenly become legal and medical experts on their iPhones gathering junk science and fake news all about pot. I'm not even going to express an opinion on that. Clearly, there are positives and negatives on both sides, but I would make the case that none of the positives, the aggregate of the positives, do not come close to outweighing the one big negative. So let's get to what's going on when people smoke pot, when they consume cannabis by any means, with any dosage, under any circumstances. What's going on when you smoke marijuana? What's really happening? Well, it's administering tetrahydrocannabinol, <laughs> a drug. Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, a powerful psychotropic drug. It's an hallucinogen. It's a chemical substance. And like many chemical substances, it quashes awareness and numbs the conscience. Bing, 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 bing. Danger, danger numbs the conscience. <laughs> you think you do it to relax, to unwind, to reduce stress, fine. You do get that effect. But know this, THC muffles the conscience. And anything that impedes your conscience blocks you from your intuition and turns you into an animal, an instinctual being, not an intuitive being. And that marks the end of your development as a human being in this lifetime because it interferes with your connection to your creator. Because that's where your intuition comes from. That's where you get your, your virtues from, your morality. That's your moral compass. And your physical pain goes away. But you lose the ability to discern right from wrong. You cannot make good life decisions if you smoke pot. Is that a good deal? Is that a good trade-off? My back doesn't hurt anymore. And I feel wonderful. But you can't tell right from wrong. Okay, so how does it do that? Well, 
THC reduces a neurotransmitter in the brain called GABA, G-A-B-B-A. It's an inhibitor of dopamine, which would normally just not let too much dopamine accumulate. Dopamine is responsible for supplying feelings of well-being and pleasure and happiness. But with less GABA, more dopamine accumulates. You get more feelings of well-being, pleasure, and happiness than you have normally, than you deserve. Reduce the GABA, get more dopamine. Very addictive substance. You know people who seek happiness, excitement? These are dopamine seekers. They're junkies. <laughs> Addicted to the drug of excitement. Sad people need to be rid of their discontentment. And they become obsessed with their own feelings of happiness. Seekers. That's, what are they seeking? Relief. Relief from the pain of what's broken. And something is broken inside. And with cannabis, by the way, it's not a spike in dopamine levels like you get from, say, let's say sexual excitement or from cocaine, methamphetamine. Methamphetamine is a huge spike. Or it's not like the gush of approval from someone, a loved one, a boss you're trying to please. It's more subtle than that, but it's there. And it allows you to feel better than you felt before. Not because you did something right, like nourished your body with food, or because you've procreated with your lifelong mate to keep the species going. Those are good things to do. It is because you deliberately and willfully pressed a button to artificially inject a feeling of unearned self-worth. Undeserved pleasure. You've manipulated and you've abused your dopamine production. You're a pharmacist writing your own script. It's exactly like practicing medicine without a license. It's the same thing. The discomfort produced by your conscience becomes anesthetized by THC. Now you don't feel bad about what has pushed you to this point, to this need. And you know what that is, don't you? You're judging. You're absorbing anger. You're playing God. And so you continue to do it. You're God. Your ego identity swells inside like a like a little dictator, in secret. You don't even have to let anyone know how high and mighty you are. But you're a turd. This is why pot smokers, old drug abuse, become so self-absorbed and desensitized to other people's needs. But they become sensitive to more anger. It's why they can't love. Why they seem disinterested, can't forgive. Why they hold grudges. The ego has taken over. The turd is in charge. Sorry to use that language. Sucking a conscience-numbing drug into the body out of a burning plant through a steel needle, a melted gelatin capsule in your stomach, or licked off the back of a toad, it doesn't matter. It's still sucking a conscience-numbing drug into the body. And if your conscience is numbed, you can never feel bad enough about what made you this way to ever do anything legitimate about it. You'll seek illegitimate artificial relief for your discomfort, like cannabis, pot. And you'll continue to die and to suffer from the inside out. And that's what THC does. 
It makes you happy to be crappy. <laughs> Potheads are crapheads. Conscienceless crapheads. Now, how harmful is that to society, to humanity? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. How many conscience-numbed, self-centered individuals does it take to make a civilization crumble into extinction, like the Mayans or the Toltecs, the Roman Empire? Pot is not an evil substance. Maybe it causes cancer. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it cures seizures. Maybe it doesn't. That's a sidebar here. My rant is that cannabis makes you feel better than you deserve to feel. And any substance or behavior that does that robs you of your natural human development. Your spiritual discipline and direction vanishes. And you don't even know it. Once you begin suppressing your conscience, all hell breaks loose inside of the human psyche. And meddling with brain chemistry to feel better than you actually are? Destroys your chances for a truly peaceful life. So, Dan, have you ever abused marijuana? I have never used marijuana. No, no. Never, never even, never even smelled it. No. Come on. Every single podcast you, you ask me if I've abused a drug or drank alcohol. <laughs> really? Do or I? if I'm a meth addict or something? No, I'm none of those things. <laughs> okay. Have I exhibited any signs? Is that why you're asking? No, but I've oh. asked you an important question. Have you ever smelled it? Oh, have I smelled it? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. I'm in college. <laughs> of course I've smelled it. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. I smell it in my room. Oh, that's terrible. See, that's secondhand smoke. Well, you know, if uh if my um if if my neighbor smokes, I can smell it in my room. Oh. That was in your dorm, your last dorm. Yeah. Hopefully you'll have a better one next year. Hopefully. Going into the new season yes semester pot it's just kind of weird because the people that smoke pot it almost really becomes almost like a religion to them Mm -hmm. and i was talking about you know i'm talking about it from a spiritual angle that's that's negative i mean it destroys your spirit but the people who use pot to put out the pain of their conscience which is what they're doing a lot of them get uh, like almost religious about it right they actually think they're becoming enlightened you know what i mean it's just, it's the total opposite. And I know how that works, too, by the way. I know how that works. I can talk about that. I think it's funny whenever um, whenever somebody thinks that a corporeal, uh, tangible substance is going to somehow make them more spiritual. That's <laughs> weird, isn't it? Somehow something of this world is going to bring you closer to the next world. Right. Well, it does. It, well, you, I'll tell you the truth, it does. How's that? It does bring you closer to another world. Okay, you, you don't said, mean you don't mean the good one. I don't mean the good one. <laughs> Being in college, I have a lot of friends, um, a lot of friends who have tried it, a lot of friends who smoke it regularly, um, and a lot of friends who I think mo- most of my friends don't. But I will tell you, in my experience, there's not a single person who uses marijuana on a regular basis who doesn't have a compromised moral compass. Right. They all, something is off. Something has been turned off in all of them. And I've noticed it. Um, and usually I'll notice that first, and then I'll find out later that they, they like to smoke. Uh, but it's usually, they just don't understand things that seem intuitively incorrect, intuitively wrong. Right. Like uh, breaking the law in little ways. Right. White lies. People do stuff like that, and uh, and they justify it in their head. You know, like, well, you know... 
back in uh, 1987, um, they charged me two times for a can of tuna fish, so I'm getting it back now. Yeah, from Shoprite or Shopwell or what or Stop and Shop or whatever. <laughs> Shopwell. Yeah. Shopwell. Is that a store? Around? I don't even know if that's around. I don't anymore. think so. They oh, used to be in New York when I lived, when I lived in New York. Um, I, I actually, it's a Jersey chain. You know, it's, the pot thing is really it's it's a problem, and it's not about it's. I I don't want to talk. I didn't want to talk about all the all the legal stuff. It's ruining. It ruins you as a person. And it does that. It does what all. What do you mean? All the legal stuff. Well, you know, making it le- the legalities, the law. Oh, they're, oh. They're, they're trying to change the laws and make yeah. it okay. The, here's the whole thing. The whole thing with the uh, with the marijuana, and I see, and I think this is legitimate too, because uh, you know the, about Schedule One. It's a Schedule One drug. I don't know the whole thing. You know, you classify drugs, so uh, they schedule they put drugs on different schedules as to how. They classify them, and and then that has to do with their legality, but it also has to do with research. And drugs that are on Schedule One are totally illegal, right? But it also limits money and funds for research, so it's so illegal that they can't even do the research on it. So no one's doing research on the benefits of heroin, okay? Right, because it's a uh, it's an illegal drug. Okay, no one's doing research. On pot, really, it's very limited because they can't get the funding for it because it's on Schedule One, because it's deemed to have no benefit to society. So it's so illegal that they can't research. It's so illegal that they can't even research. Okay. So the idea is to take it off of Schedule One and at least open it up for researchers to find out, because apparently there are actual limited uses for uh, some of the chemicals in THC. Great, but don't we have synthetic? Versions of this we that do. won't get you high, but will still have the same yes. medical effects. Correct. We do. Then why does somebody need to smoke it and get high? To because well, they have an argument for that. Okay, there are certain compounds that are not in the synthetic version that do not get carried over to the therapeutic and, be- and medical benefits. Okay. So what it really comes down to, I however, just know that there are people that want to smoke pot, and so they want to say that they need it for med. I mean, I people know. get medical marijuana cards because they want to smoke pot. Right. I'm not saying everybody's that way, but a lot of people are. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, there are, I can create a very compelling narrative and produce some mind-boggling videos that cite statistics and completely promote opioid use. I could do that. Yeah. And it's all completely true and completely pro-opioid. That wouldn't be very politically correct these days because everyone wants to get rid of it. It's thought to be a, well, it is, it's a, it's an epidemic. Um, But you can do that. There are thousands of drugs out there that, are in research and development that show a lot of promise for a lot of different diseases. And uh, the funny thing about pot, cannabis, marijuana, is that it does something, along with opioids, it does something that people want more than they want the relief of the pain, believe it or not. They want, it's not just getting high. That's just a phrase, getting high. Mm -hmm. It's an analogy. No one's high. You're still at the same sea level okay but you are your con- oh really i didn't realize <laughs> your conscious your conscience has changed your consciousness has changed this dulled your consciousness and numbed your conscience that chases you for the things in your past in your psyche the guilt that you hold that you've been suppressing for years and years and years the pain that you feel for that is suppressed 
and your conscience doesn't bother you anymore. That's what they're looking for. That's what a pot smoker is looking for. That's what an opioid user is looking for. Physical addiction for opioids, you can break that. For heroin, you can Heroin users, I work with heroin addicts, you know. Heroin addicts, they kick their habit. They kick their habit frequently. They kick it over and over and over again all the time. And then they go right back to it. So when you kick the habit, when you kick a, a heroin addict or dr any drug addict, any drug habit, and it's the drug is gone, the habit's gone. Excuse me. When you kick a drug addict. No. <laughs> when you kick a <laughs> when you kick a drug addiction, you're no longer addicted physically. You're not you just don't need the stuff anymore. So why do you go back to it? There must be something else involved. Yes. And there is. You can't face your conscience. Something is bringing you back to your being, and you don't want to go there. Because if you go there, you'll have to face how judgmental you are, how resentful you've been. People say uh, marijuana is non-addictive. Well, that's not true. Is there, I, I realize what you're saying about the conscience would mean that somebody wants to use it to feel better. Is it, but is there a physical addictive property that is missing or is it just as addictive as other drugs? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's argued both ways. So I don't know who's telling the truth. Right. I know that from, I've never been addicted. <laughs> I tried pot, you know, when I was uh, younger and, uh, couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand the high. Just couldn't stand it. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, I tried it several times, and each and every time, I couldn't wait for the effect to go away. Couldn't wait. It was terrible. But you liked drinking. I liked drinking, yeah. So how? what was the difference in feeling? Oh, my God. Uh, what did you prefer about drinking? That, that What did you dislike about marijuana? Marijuana, to me, was a... Uh, you know, they call it, it's a depressant. Yes. And they say that alcohol is also a depressant, but for me, it wasn't a, it's a depressant. It depresses the central nervous system. It doesn't make you feel depressed. Everyone knows they feel happier when they drink. Mm -hmm. So that contradicts what science is telling them, telling them, they're telling them, well, alcohol is a depressant. It's a depressant. It's not a mental depressant. It's a depressant to your system. It shuts down your, slows down your, your system. But to the mind, to you mentally, you're happier. So that's what I was looking for. At that time, I was looking for, um, I was looking for an answer to the guilt that I felt inside for my issues that I had growing up, growing up without a father, uh, resenting my mother, resenting my father, who I didn't know who it was, or I thought I knew who it was, is another whole story. And burying resentments for teachers. And I was never taught, I didn't have a dad. You have a dad to teach you how to deal with life. I didn't have a dad to teach me how to deal with life. So I had a mother, an impatient mother, who herself wasn't taught how to deal with life. You know, the outcome of that is that I needed something to put out the pain, and I abused food, I abused alcohol. I tried abusing pot and couldn't, found it useless. <laughs> and uh, it didn't, and I was also a very ambitious, my mother had put a lot of ambition into me, and I was a very ambitious person, and the pot slowed me down, made me think like, mm, you know, like I wasn't, I didn't feel like doing anything. I just felt like vegging out and getting paranoid. Yeah. Well, those those are some uh, visible symptoms of of uh, smoking marijuana. Right. Um, 
people lose their ambition. They lose their drive. They don't work as hard. Right. Um, and it's, I know pot smokers consider it like a, like a stigma, like a stereotype. Oh, it's not, you know, it's negative, but I mean, come on. I see people not working as hard. You know, I've seen people work hard and then stop working hard after they start smoking. Oh yeah. Well, there are a lot of short term, uh, uh, memory loss, a lot of side effects, short term memory loss, learning can't learn. I think the biggest one though is, is the conscience is the lack of conscience. Yeah. Those are, yeah, those are all the ones. See, they don't want to go there because they don't. They're not, they're not trained to talk about that stuff. Well, how would they know to go there if they're smoking pot? Well, I was <laughs> talking about the, the experts who, oh, okay. who try to, who, who are against pot. It's funny though. It, it leads to, to ask the question, why hasn't medical marijuana uh, brought us to a point where we're, where doctors are writing prescriptions for it and, you know, controlled dosages and insurance coverage and all of that stuff. I mean, look at aspirin, for example, that's not a prescription, but Aspirin is made from it's uh, acetylsalicylic acid. It comes from the bark of a tree. That's where that's that comes. It's got a natural source too. Well, we don't have any. No one's trying to set up stores where you go in there and they lay out bark for you to buy. You get little bags of bark shavings. Yeah, right. So there must be something else that's going on. No one's looking for because aspirin doesn't dull your conscience. See, and marijuana does. That's why the big push on it. People like that. You know. It'll get rid of your pain. That's for sure. The marijuana? Aspirin. Aspirin will, yeah. yeah. And so will marijuana, apparently. Yep. Uh, in certain certain uh, circumstances. Anyway. I have some questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you pretty much answer this with this entire podcast. But uh, yes. um, Ian asks, what's your opinion on marijuana as a medical and addiction point of view? Medical, medical and addiction. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't have opinions, frankly. I know what I know. So, what is your, what, um, what is there a question? What is your opinion on marijuana as a medical and addiction viewpoint? I don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion on marijuana. I know it's wrong for you. That's not my opinion. It's bad. No, that is an opinion. I know you're saying it's a fact, but right. you're believing your opinion. That's fine. I understand that. When someone asks me for my opinion, okay, that's a trap. That's a trick question. That's a trick question because if they disagree with me, they say, well, that's just your opinion, and it's not my opinion. I'm, I'm telling them the truth about it. Okay. Okay. But he wants to know how I feel about legally, about medical marijuana. I guess so. I mean, I, I, no, he didn't ask about legality. He just wants to know what you think about it yeah. um, for treating medical ailments. Right. Well, all of the illnesses that pot is helping supposedly are all emotionally induced disorders. And if you get a hold of your emotions, you won't need the pot to help you with the, to whatever it is that you, whatever relief you think you're getting from it physically. Because when, when you're talking about medical marijuana, right, they're talking about treating physical symptoms of something. Well, the physical symptoms are symptoms of something underlying, and you're not fixing what's underlying if you're treating the symptoms. So so let's say you Like are, anxiety. A lot of people go and they get it. They say, I need medical marijuana. Write me a prescription for, they do. because they I anxiety. have anxiety. Yes, that is true. That is true. And and they don't want to, I guess they don't want to drink. Used to be people just have a shot of brandy. <laughs> they would feel better. But, and that works too, believe it or not. A cigar and a and a brandy. I used to go when I worked on Wall Street. We used to go up to the Twenty One Club, and we'd sit there with these big 
They used to sell they had they used to sell cigars there too. Seventeen dollars. I don't even I have no idea what what uh Cuban cigars go for these days, but they were like seventeen dollar cigars and we would sit there with our brandy snifters and uh, seventeen dollar cohibas, big important Wall Street muckety mucks sitting at the twenty one club, you know. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh sitting next to us blowing smoke from the table next door. But um that made us feel good. That that made us feel wonderful. Well, I think um, as far as the medical aspect goes, uh, I don't think it's worth it for the effect it has on your conscience. I don't think it is. Right. And as far as the addiction goes, I'm not sure if it causes a physical addiction no. the way that other substances do. No. But a physical craving, it. a physical withdrawal afterwards. Correct. There's a difference between a physical addiction, right, building tolerance and all of that stuff that you can go and study up on that on a medical sense, and doctors know all about that. Mm -hmm. What they don't know about is the obsession. There's an obsession that develops, okay? And that obsession is a need to reinforce the relief that you receive from your conscience. And that's that's why we're talking a lot about conscience when we talk about THC, is because it relieves the conscience of the guilt of the pain of being angry. Anger is not normal for human beings. Anger produces pain later on. Your conscience says you can't be angry because being angry is playing God. And we, ha- we are metaphysically wired, so to speak, to not play God. And something in us wants to play God, wants to be God. And we, that's our ego. And we, if we identify with our ego, we fall into that realm where we start playing God and judging other people. And that's what anger is. And that's what irritation and getting sore and being burned up on being just aggravated, aggravation, frustration, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. You're playing God. You're not supposed to. So you need the, you need the relief. So if you stop smoking pot, the pain of that comes pouring back in. So you have to smoke pot again to do it. So that's why there are two aspects to addiction. There's the, what I call the obsession, the mental obsession, which is I must have it or I will feel horrible. And then there's the physical. Right. And that's why people who go to a rehab don't get well. They are totally with, they totally withdraw from the drugs. It's not any of it in their system anymore. The tolerance is broken down. Maybe the tolerance is still up, but the physical craving the physical, is gone. The physical craving is gone. They go home and they, and they just start using it again. Why, why is that? Because there's that other element. There's the mental, what they call the mental obsession, but it's not really mental. It's spiritual. It's metaphysical. So if you don't change your behavior, that's causing you to feel bad in the first place. That's breaking the. I don't like the way you put that. Okay. You put that. You said if you don't change your behavior, I'm going to re- just reword it. Okay. If your behavior doesn't change, because you can't change it, you can't fake it. Willfully it. change it. Correct. Right. And okay. I know you know what I mean by that. I do, I of do. course. So you have to be fundamentally changed at a level that no one can do it for you. You just, you have to, you have to become conscious. And when you're conscious, you're filled with the, with a a new, it's a reorganization of thought. And you know, you separate from that self. You separate from that part of you. That's, it's not even a part of you, that thing in you that's playing God. You see it for what it is and you're no longer a part of it. And it doesn't control you anymore. And that's, and the pain goes away. And once the pain goes away, so there's the need for these substances like THC or alcohol or whatever it is that you're doing that's become habitual now, a bad habit. 
It's an obsession. So you could break a physical craving and then either relapse yeah, or relapse. just find something else. You can find something else, right? That's why you know people who go to uh, into recovery programs frequently. Like you go to uh, you go to an AA meeting. I've never seen so many smokers. In my <laughs> right, <life>. <laughs> right. <laughs> they smoke because they're they're addicted to the nic. They switched over to the nicotine and drink coffee and caffeine. Yeah, and they're also you can drink coffee, but I mean they drink a lot of coffee. They're also fat. A lot of them. A lot of them. Many of them. A lot most, of America is fat. Most of them. Well, that's true. That's um, true. Okay. So I think that answers it. While there may not be a physical addiction to marijuana, I'm not sure what the science says. Maybe there is. Right. Uh, there's certainly a spiritual obsession that can occur. Absolutely. A mental obsession. 100%. Because you need to feel better. 100%. If you're addicted to pot, you are spiritually broken. The same way you can have a video game addiction. You didn't take... Okay. With that, you didn't even take a chemical into your body. I'm not saying you're going to go into withdrawal if you don't have video games. Right. But you're making yourself feel better. Correct. And you, you, you're going to want to keep doing it. By the way, when you're doing video games, that's, you, a, that's the same thing you're doing when you're smoking pot. What? When you're doing video games. When you're doing video games. Hey, man, let's do some video games. When you're doing video, when you're playing, playing with video games, you are indulging in the same thing that you're indulging in when you're taking drugs, because it has the same effect in the same areas of the brain. So you're getting that dopamine. You're messing with the serotonin levels and the, and the dopamine levels in your brain and whatever other levels of other things that they don't even know what they are yet. Mm -hmm. you're, 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 you're basically you're screwing and meddling with your brain chemistry and giving yourself uplift. Anything that, anything that, uplift, that uplifts you makes you feel better about the pain that, that is underlying, you get addicted to that obsessive. That's what all obsessive behavior is about. Now, I will occasionally play video games with my friends. I know, but you were, see, you were raised differently. You remember. Is that you, what happened to me? That's what happened. <laughs> we had very strict rules about video games, if you remember. We did. We did. And I still had a problem with them, actually. Yes, you when did. I, when I was about uh, 15 years old, right? Um, between 12 and 16, I think, there were times where you would tell me to stop playing. I would lose track of time. I mm -hmm. would keep going. And I didn't even realize I was doing anything wrong until afterwards. That's right. I remember, um, oh no, we, remember we had a rule with you and your sister. It's always been a rule in the house about the types of video games. You're allowed to play certain types, but you can't play video games that you are alone. You can only play competitive games. I would only let you play competitive games right. where you're competing against each other and are interacting with another human being. And they can sort of keep keep one foot in in the in the in, real world. In the real world, right? So I would let you go into the into the fantasy world to sample it, but I wouldn't let you go all the way. But even if somebody forced me to do it, what do you mean forced you to do it? If somebody forced me to play, it's a hypothetical situation. Somebody like a, forced me to play like video a Clockwork games. Orange, yes. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> if I am emotionally okay, yeah. and I um, I don't have pent up. Uh, uh, resentment and judgment, then I shouldn't have a problem stopping when I'm done. Right. That's correct. You I might feel a little pain. Yeah. You know, you might feel a little, a little bit. Okay. The same way, like in the last podcast, we talked about people getting addicted to opioids uh, that they're prescribed after surgery. Right. Um, you use them and yes. you felt you were able to stop afterwards. Right. You were able to stop. You didn't go seeking more, go, oh my God, I'm addicted now. No. Because you didn't have that emotional pain. Well, I'll tell you what I did when I ran, when my prescription ran out. Yeah. I was 
I wished it hadn't. <laughs> because but you were still feeling shoulder pain. Yeah, I was still feeling shoulder pain. I mean, aside from that. But the intensity of the immediate surgical pain was gone. But I was getting used to not feeling pain, you know. And I also had a nerve blocker. Right. So that was like zero pain. Okay. Shall we go to the next question? Sure. Okay. This is from, oh, no name. Okay. Um, oh, he says his name is Danny. Really? Yeah, but maybe he thought the name one was for who the question's for. <laughs> okay. Uh, the name box is for your own name, not uh, not who you're addressing. Okay. But anyway, uh, maybe his name is Danny. Sorry, but I do have a question about your meditation. I know you guys want a different question, so I'll ask very quickly. <laughs> uh, I've been doing it for quite some time. It's actually worked. Uh, for me, I notice I don't feel sorry for myself anymore. I deal with problems better. I don't feel panic or anxiety like I did before until sometime last week. Wow. Suddenly, it's come back. And for some reason, I'm not coping with it very well. I've done your meditations twice a day. Like you said, I never miss it once. I feel like I'm doing something wrong lately. Maybe I'm forgetting the purpose of the meditation and thinking that it makes the problems go away. And that's not what it's really for. No, it's not. That's not what it's for. Meditation doesn't do anything. All right, good. I'm do you cutting off. think it's normal that these, do you think it's normal that this change can suddenly happen? I would love to know your opinion on this. And he, side note, the anxiety mainly comes from the future. He's fearing the future. Oh, so it he's got like. fear. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a very good question, frankly, I have to tell you. I know the guy's got a, he should, he should get a hold of me or resubmit it. I don't want him to wait because we may not get to his question for another week or two. He should contact me because, and I'll deal with him personally, because he's not stating the problem. If he's giving me something specific, but it's it's too general. He wants to be general about it, and I can't answer. He wants a general question for a specific problem he has. He knows what his problem is. I don't know what his problem is. Call call me up and tell me what you're afraid of. Don't write write a a general question like that. uh, The easiest way to um, establish contact um, is to message my dad on Facebook. Daniel J. Schwarzhoff, find his page and send a message. Yeah. He responds almost immediately, right? And he'll call you. Or something. I will tell you this though: just I'll help him a little bit with a general, little bit of a general question because other people might benefit also. Um, this won't specifically go to his problem though. But when you wake up and you become conscious, there's something in you that doesn't like that, that doesn't want it. So you are constantly tempted to get pulled into other into other activities, out of to get pulled back into your brain, actually to get pulled back into your thought stream. Okay, that is what happens. And you get it, you get it, and you get pulled in, and then you feel guilty about it later. And it happens over and over and over again. You're not going to do this perfectly out of the gate. It takes a lifetime of doing this. Okay, I've been doing this for 40 years. So it's a bit more for me, and I'm barely touching the tip of the iceberg on it. Okay, I'm 60 years old. I hope to live to be 100. So I've got 40 more years to go. And do you notice something? I noticed I'm seeing that thing that we see sometimes in the room really yeah right now yeah no yeah that that haze Uh oh a little bit okay okay anyway this is going going to be broadcast we'll we'll talk about that some other time it's a little spooky yeah what happens is he's probably trying and he's probably struggling his will is kicking back in and fighting back and trying to get him to struggle with a problem it's fear so have him give me a call or have him message you have him message me and I'll deal with it specifically. You have to tell me specifically what the problem is. 
specifically. I need to know the situation. Okay. If there's an impending event or something that might happen in the future, uh, that will be that could be your biggest temptation to to start thinking and resenting and fearing. Right. Um, and that can that can prevent you from yeah. from med- especially if you start doing it improperly. If you start meditating in order to get over that. Right. That's that. He that, mentioned that, didn't he? Doing he did. That? He did. And yeah, if that's did. true, then you already know what the problem is. And he if you already know what the problem is, you actually have the solution. He already has it. That's that's all I'm going to tell him when he calls. <laughs> so you don't even have to get a hold of me. You already know the answer. If you know what's wrong, just observe it. And and uh, but he can call me. But he can call. Um, okay, that's all the questions. That's all we have for today. That's it. Okay. If you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, uh, where you can get my dad's blogs uh, every Monday night. Sign up at uh, schwarzhoffmedia.com slash email. And that's it. Okay, so that's it for today. Join us again next time. Visit the website. There's lots of free stuff there, videos. Did you mention the videos? No. I like to sometimes tell them what they're going to find. It's set up where you can go and you can find interesting articles and interesting videos. There's something for everyone there. Um, Also, there's non-contemplative meditation. It's all no charge. Just download it or stream it from there. And you can subscribe to this podcast also to get it regularly. And thanks for listening. This has been episode number six.